Can I get ahead of Lewis and I promise I won't go five seconds? Fuck no. No. You just you got a penalty, <laughs> dumbass. No, you can't. Yeah, have you should go behind him anyways, because you fucking suck. Yeah. Back you of could, the line, pal. Cheers, everybody. Welcome back to Figuring Out the Formula. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Chandler and Patrick, as always. Uh, last podcast, we discussed the upcoming race. It was the Italian Grand Prix. Unfortunately, that didn't happen because there was flooding in the area. So the race was actually canceled. So that was last weekend. This past weekend was the Monaco Grand Prix. That Grand Prix is hit or miss. It's either the most boring race on earth or it's pretty exciting at least one day of the weekend, which is normally Saturday, the qualifying day. Well, you know, it's it's one of the most historic, if not the most historic Grand Prix in Formula One racing. You know, it is considered part of the triple crown of motorsport racing, the other being the Indy 500, which adjacent F1 also happened on Sunday. Um, but And then the Le Mans 24-hour race. So it is very highly regarded in the motorsport world. I think that as cars have evolved, it has changed the racing a bit to the point where, you know, we've seen this. There's some graphics out there that show the size of the cars, even in the 90s and 80s compared to now. And it's just the cars have gotten so big from a performance and a safety standpoint where it's some people joke and call this the the Monaco parade um, on Sunday and race day because there's. Not that much overtaking, which we did see glimpses of at this race. We'll get into that. But really, it's more about the pageantry behind it that kind of covers it up. So overall, from this race, and not to spoil it, we're going to discuss the whole race. For me, it was a good race considering it was Monaco. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I agree. Pat, what do you think about it? I, I like Monaco. Um, Monaco is a really unique kind of weekend uh which i'll talk about kind of why in just a little bit um but it's definitely an outlier on the calendar it's one of the most historic tracks on the calendar that f1's been racing at since the 1950s um like chandler said there's not a ton of overtaking because of how big the cars are now um of which you know hopefully that changes in the next couple of years but uh, it definitely can produce some some very crazy moments with you know overtakes on the circuit itself or just kind of interesting strategy calls and things like that, um, especially when you introduce like rain like we had this weekend. There's been a lot of talk recently. Now they they already signed a deal to keep it on the schedule, but if it were up to you guys, would you get rid of the Monaco Grand Prix for a newer course, uh, you know, somewhere in the U.S. maybe or What's your opinions on it? I don't think I would. I don't think I would get rid of it. Um, part of it is because of one, it's just a really historic place. Um, you know, it's like F1, like part of F1's heart is in Monaco. Um, and the other thing is that just kind of the way I've been seeing, you know, these new tracks that'll come for, you know, a couple of years and then get kicked off the calendar. They're honestly not that good most of the time. Um, I don't really know who they have like designing tracks, you know, but there's maybe I can count <laughs> five <have> Chandler. people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they probably just have like a handful of people that, 
you know, are actually capable of doing that because I know there's a ton of science involved, but it feels like more often than not, it just turns into a crap track, which, you know, we can see with what looks like Las Vegas is almost a big square or Miami. Well, I'd much rather have the giant ass yacht in the Monaco Harbor than I would the Miami Harbor that is fake water. You know, it's the size of a toy sailboat. So no, I agree with that. Chan, are you keeping it on? I say you keep it on a schedule and it's a little bit kind of construed logic here, but honestly, the pinnacle of like to watch F1, like watching qualifying, because theoretically there should be no other cars in your way. And that is these drivers that are world-class drivers and world-class world-class athletes pushing the limits of their car and see the narrowest of margins. Um, we'll get into qualifying, but to me is like, you know, again, Monaco has the pageantry, but Saturday might be one of the most fun qualifying sessions to watch because of the fine limits that they're pushing the car to. And I think that's really the true testament to the sport, um, even with the bigger cars, because again, they're running – 10 to 10 seconds faster in qualifying than they are in a race. And so you're not worried about the log jams and stuff, but you get to see, like we talk about in F1 history books, they talk about like Ayrton Senna's perfect lap. And that comes at Monaco. And just to see how he's run that lap and how people try to run that lap at Monaco that the circuit has not changed in years is just, it's all inspiring to watch like that just gives you chills watching that. So that's why I would keep it. If nothing else for the race, you know, every now and then you're going to have some things, some drama, at the race, but that qualifying on Saturday for that hour of watching cars individually go out there to me is like the true spectacle of it. One of my favorite things about this past race weekend in Monaco was the helmet cams. So this is the first year that every driver has the visor cam and you see it's fast. Okay, they're going 100-something miles an hour in this very tight circuit. But when you see that visor cam, it's like, holy crap. They're, this is insane. There's a reason they're the top 20 drivers in the world. I mean, a lot of it's because they have money, but we're not going to get into that part. But we are going to get into practice. So practice was, I mean, practice? Are we talking about practice? A little shout-out, but... Now we get into Alex Albon in FP1. He crashed. What was y'all's thoughts on Alex Albon's crash in FP1? I don't know. I mean, they had a really promising start and it kind of just seems every week they're just taking little steps backwards. Um, you know, whether it's the drivers crashing, you know, and costing them even more money, like we talked about before, like it costs a lot to fix an F1 car, which a team like Williams does not need that. Um, you know, it just kind of feels like they're starting to put themselves more and more into a pit. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about their qualifying results later, which also weren't that great. Um, but to me, it's disheartening. I've, I've talked to you, to you all about, you know, how I really want Williams to be great again, but you know, it's just stuff like this. That's it's costing the team money and costing them more in the long run. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's just practice, but you know, that's, you know, X amount of dollars more that they have to pay just to fix the car instead of developing it. So, the thing that I heard uh, in FP2, James Voles, the principal for Williams, uh, I think it was Crofty, he asked him, you know, was this a driver error? Was it mechanical? Well, he had said that it was basically a little bit of his of Albon's driving style, but it the setup wasn't correct at all. And it's FP1, so that's the time to figure out if your setup's correct or not. 
-hmm. but at Monaco, there's no room for that little bit of error. So that's what actually caused a crash. He said, he said that those little things can be different based off driving style, but with Alex's driving style, he just ran out of room. They worked on it. They fixed it up. It was FP1 early in the weekend, but another team that had to work on a car was Lando Norris's team. McLaren showed up with a brand new livery. I loved it. It was there. It was their, absolutely gorgeous. It was their triple crown livery. And I mean, even though it's still a tractor, that thing looks so nice. But unfortunately, a McLaren's going to McLaren. You know, the Lando Norris had suspension issues in FP1. They had the whole nose off, everything they were fixing. Parts were, you know, the suspension arms were in different locations, wrong locations. So you just knew mm, maybe this isn't it this weekend. And in FP1, that's not a good thing to start out the week yet. It's it's demoralizing. It just at through FP1 and FP2, even through all the practices before we got to qualifying, I'm just like, just put me out of my misery as McLaren. Give me to the end of the season so I can be a free agent and sign with somebody else for fanhood. Like we Make can't even get the car on track because of because of issues with the car. And what was an upgrade? I mean, they had a slight upgrade, I believe. They had one ready to roll. I mean, and obviously here it is. The upgrade can't even get on the track because, oh, we've got stuff all messed up. It's just, it's pain. It's an absolute pain. I do want to kind of say that the state of McLaren could be emphasized best that after I watched the Monaco Grand Prix, I flip over to the Indy 500, and Zach Brown's not even in Monaco. He's in Indy 500, which shows me that he cares more about his winning team in Indy car, which is fine. I mean, you have a good winning car. But Except they didn't win in the Indy 500 either. They couldn't even do that. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't out. know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, out. Tony Kanon in Indy, like, that was a farewell swan song, whatever. You know, Felix, who had the third fastest time ever, and that's got best for third this go-round, Rex. Pato Award bottles it. At the, I'm just... Like uh, I said, just, a McLaren is going to McLaren. It just, here but we are. Luckily, that was just practice, like I said. And it they were fixing the car, but he didn't wreck in mm-hmm. practice. The car that did wreck besides Alex Albon was Carlos Sainz. He crashed an FB2. I mean, like we said, McLaren's got a McLaren, but Ferrari's going to Ferrari. That- especially in Monaco. <laughs> especially in Monaco. Um. And what what do you mean by that? Is there like a curse or something? (laughs) So, man, it's just, it's so painful to watch. Like, so I think it was two, two seasons ago, Charles Leclerc gets pole and then didn't even start the race because his car broke down on like the formation lap. Um, And then I think he, Carlos, or excuse me, Charles Leclerc crashed again last year. Um. Yeah, he damaged his gearbox and they couldn't they couldn't yeah. start. That was, and, so that was actually three years ago. So three years ago is when he got pole because he had gotten pole three straight years prior to Checo getting it. Yeah. And so okay. three years ago is when the gearbox messed up. And then he got pole and then crashed on his in lap and then couldn't even start the race. And okay. then last year was he had pole 
and then Ferrari strategists were did their peak. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, yeah, and it's like if one of the drivers isn't gonna crash, then the rest of the team is gonna do something to mess it up. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about more about Carlos Sainz's race. You know, when we get to that portion, because there were some very heated exchanges between him and the team. Um, but I mean, it's more memorable for me at least that Ferrari is yelling on their radio about screwing something up. Um, I, but you're, but you're also a Red Bull fan. So if you're a Ferrari fan, you'd have tears like Chandler does right now with McLaren. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I'd, I'd be bippity boopity my way out into the fucking graveyard because I mean, it's just pain every time they come to Monaco. Um, I think the last time they won was with Sebastian Vettel, which was, I think 2017, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's, I mean, it's almost every year. It's just a bad weekend for them. Um, or if I were a Ferrari fan, I would just not want to watch that whole weekend. Absolutely not. Charles Leclerc racing in his backyard. Yeah. So that was all that happened for this practice session. Let's move right into Pat's paddock before we get into the exciting part of the race weekend qualifying. So let's stop in Pat's paddock. All right. Welcome back everyone to my personal section. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about kind of why Monaco is important. Uh, Chandler touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, Monaco, like we said, was one of the first races in F1 back in the 1950s. Um, it's a place for the ultra wealthy and the ultra rich. I don't think they have income tax there. It's you know usually characterized by a gajillion mega yachts out in the harbor. It's the Italian Florida. It, basically, yeah. And... Um, the thing is, because it's so historic, despite the cars really not fitting on the track, you know, it's it's got to remain there. Um, it's a really, really tough track um, where it makes qualifying just that much uh, that much more important. So you can go back and honestly, there's some great footage from like, I think it's like 2007 or 2008 where, you know, Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton are battling. And even though they've got these much shorter cars than we have today, you can still see how tight it is and the cars at their absolute limit, um, especially going through like turns 13 and 14, where it's a very tight chicane and they're still probably going 150 miles an hour. Um, You know, it's, you cannot mess up here um, of which, any kind of mistake is it's going to make you lose just like we saw with Charles Leclerc previously. Um, we actually saw it this year with uh Checo in qualifying. Um, he ended up crashing, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but it's really just kind of a, the best place to test your skill as a driver, because there is quite literally no room for error. Um, you'll see all the time images of like cars, maybe a millimeter from the wall. Some of them will tap it, you know, and keep going. Others, you know, you tap the wall and your day is done. Um, so it's really different just because qualifying matters way more than the actual race. You know, there's not a whole lot of overtaking in the race normally. Um, but it just makes qualifying, you know, actually really, really matter for just one weekend. Let's move right into qualifying since we're already talking about it. Uh, in Q1, there's a lot of grip except for, for one car and it's, uh, Patrick's best friend, Checo. Checo crashes in Q1. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened, but Checo forgot to brake and he just went way too fast into the turn, missed the apex, everything, and just bent it right into the wall. Foam everywhere, car pieces everywhere, suspension, gearbox, all that stuff 
gone, done, throw it in the harbor. It's over with. That sucks because qualifying wherever you're at on qualifying is normally where you finish on race day at Monaco. Normally. Now we've seen in the past couple of races, Max start, you know, outside the top 10 and he, you know, goes 22 places out of 20, even though there's only 20 cars and he come back for a win. Well, you can't do that in Monaco, not unless 19 cars ahead of you blow up. But the worst part of Checo crashing was that there was a sky crane operator who is in charge of picking up the damaged vehicle and taking it off the track. They just lift it over the fence and drop it on the other side in an area where there's like a runoff. The sky can the sky crane operator lifted it about 12 stories high. Well, the thing is what gives the Red Bull so much speed is its floor. It's a secret. Most teams didn't know about it or didn't know the intricacies of it. Well, someone must have paid this sky crane operator because everybody got to look at that beast. And you can imagine, I mean, I've seen so many different angles of the floor of the Red Bull and all these teams are going to be copying it now. I was about to say, you know that back in all the other nine teams as factories, they are reverse engineering that to figure out how to build the floor like that. And the, the thing is, I know Pat's talked about him before, but Adrian Newey is the arrow god. This dude came up with the design. I mean, not just by himself, but he might have for this floor. And just to have one crane operator lift up a car a little too high means nine other teams get a sneak peek at it. Like you said, they can reverse engineer it or try to at least. Red Bull, I mean, because the season's not even halfway over. There's going to be a lot more upgrades to these floors here in the future. Yeah, I definitely think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in you know the next couple months. Um, so obviously, you know, the other teams aren't going to get it overnight, but, you know, it was actually pretty striking to me because you don't, you know, you don't really see pictures of the floor of a car until it gets picked up by one of those cranes after a crash. And, um, I had seen images of the Ferrari floor and it's got some pretty intricate grooves and stuff like that on the front, but towards the back, there's actually like almost nothing. Hmm. Um, I think the Ferrari car is set up to you know, somehow jettison the air out towards the sides to create vortices and downforce. I'm not an engineer. Y'all probably get the point. Um, but if you look at the Red Bull one, it actually goes through the whole car and there's all kinds of crazy dimples and different things like that. To, I mean, it looks like the only thing like solid in the car is the engine and the cockpit. Um, and so it'll, it'll definitely be really interesting in the next couple of weeks and months just to see you know, how teams adapt to it, if they actually try to copy it or not. Um, I mean, they, they have to at this point, right? Because, I mean, yep. you Aston Martin copied the side pods of the Red Bull. They're eerily similar side pods. Well, it's still significantly bigger of a difference arrow-wise for the Red Bull versus the Aston Martin. I mean, those side pods look... They look just alike, but somehow the Red Bull just pulls away and pulls and pulls and pulls. Is it the floor? Probably. Maybe the engine. It's two different engine manufacturers. That could be it. But like you said, I'm not an engineer. All I know is 
when you're winning, people are going to try to do what you're doing. That crane operator is going to allow a lot of teams the ability to do what they're doing. If they can get it done, if they can work it out. And truthfully, like we, we make a comment about seasons not halfway over with. No one's going to get it right to the point where they're going to challenge Red Bull because Red Bull is over double the amount of points of Aston Martin. However, what this sets up for is does Aston Martin or Mercedes or Ferrari in those two, three, and four spots, who gets that, the clo- who emulates that the best and gets it closest to the exact match and then takes over that second place? Because right now we got a one-point difference in Aston Martin and Mercedes. And then Ferrari's only 30 points behind second, which – can be achieved by, you know, a double points versus a double DNF weekend or a double out of the points, you know. So I really think that's what it does. Is it'll help the midfield battle um, for the best of the rest. Well, the, the big thing is the difference between money of second finishing second place in the constructors or third place is millions and millions of dollars, which Absolutely. you use for the future. You use to grow your company, your team. Whatever it might be, that money's going somewhere. Red Bull, it goes to catering. Uh, it's just, you know, it's it's a huge difference. And like you said, whoever can copy it the best, I mean, who can recreate? I mean, who can invent it themselves, similar to Red Bull? They can, uh, they can be successful. I think that was pretty much all that happened in Q1. There were no other incidents or anything like that. Uh, out in Q1, starting in twentieth, it was Checo, then Joe. And Nico Hulkenberg, Kevin Magnuson, and Logan Sargent. So two Haases and a Williams. Go figure, right? We move into Q2, old number four. Lando Norris hits the wall. He barely clipped it going into, uh, was it the swimming pool that he was going into? Uh, yeah, going into the swimming pool, yep. He's going into the swimming pool. He clipped one of the walls and then broke the suspension arm and he couldn't turn clipped another wall and then they had to take it in the pits. So that's great. You know, so he's going to spend all of FP one trying to get correct. The first time is now broken because of on track. And my thing is the, we were talking about, you know, who was out in Q1. Well, the time difference between, I think it was third and 18th was like maybe two, two tenths of a second. Uh-huh. So it, it's insane here. It could have been anybody's qualifying. Well, Lando, when he crashed, he was, I want to say he was qualifying P 14th is 13th or four. He was right near the cutoff. Yep. And as time expired, it was like, well, is someone going to knock him out? Luckily, like Lewis Hamilton moved up. Oscar Piastri was right behind Lando. I was like, Oh crap. You know, we're going to have two McLarens out in Q2. Not good. Well, luckily, time ran out. And then out in Q2 was Bottas, Lance Stroll, Alex Albon, Nick DeVries. And then, like I said, Oscar Piastri was out in Q2. Lando barely edged over him. So he was able to go into Q3. Unfortunately, he crashed. So normally, what's that mean, Chan? <laughs> Crash, you're done. You're you're toast. I mean, you got like uh, truthfully, you know, I genuinely did not believe there was any chance he was getting back on the track. So he got through. Congrats, your tenth place. Which 
and I'll say this valiant effort. I mean, McLaren props to the mechanics and the engineers for getting back. Cause make sure I got my math right here, but Q3 is 12 minutes. So I'm trying to think exactly it was, when he it was w- closer towards the end of qualifying. It was, they were on their last. So maybe 10 minutes had gone by. So they had two minutes remaining in Q2 around Q2. there. Yeah. So, and then he got back out on the track with over six, just over six and a half minutes left. So you're thinking five and a half minutes plus two and a half minutes in Q2 plus about five minutes in, in between, just call it five minutes. I mean, to be back out on the track in 12 minutes of something you just broke is remarkable. He didn't just, he didn't just break something. No, had, it wasn't he, just like something fell off and we got to replace it. Like he we hit damaged two fucking four parts. Yeah, he hit two fucking walls. His wheel was dangling. Yeah. And to get I, him back on the track is amazing. And like I said, and really, again, we talk about the difference in um, the Monica being the, like what, where your position on Saturday is majority of the times where you're going to finish. That's a big deal. You know, if you start 10th at any other circuit versus like, say you go through, say you get into Q3 and you finish seventh, that's not necessarily a huge deal at like Spain where we're going next week. But in Monaco, that's a huge deal because it is possible to lose one position and then not be able to get it back the entire race. And then you're out of the points. So for them to get the, um, get like get us through get them through getting back on a track um is just it, get, it gave him an opportunity yes to go out in q3 and try to do better because we said That's, the times were that close it could make a difference especially like i said because he was on a really good lap and we're going to get into q3 what really prevented him from having another great run in q3 like he very well could have been much higher on this on this starting grid if pat, not for q3 pat me and chan we we were this close to throwing our phones at the TV when this happened. <laughs> Can you tell us what the fuck Chuck LeClaire was doing to Lando Norris in Q3? I mean, I like I said before, I don't know what Ferrari does on these weekends, but I guess if they're not going to fuck up their own weekend, <sighs> they're going to try to fuck up someone else's. Um. The short of it is just that Charles Leclerc just completely blocks Lando Norris and Lando Norris has to abort his lap. And well, that was a wrap. Um, yeah, I mean, it it really sucks, especially when it's another team messing you up. Um, you know, Charles ended up getting like a three place graded penalty, I think. Um, yes. But, you know, Lando, Lando had looked really promising to me to where he could have gotten up to, you know, sixth or fifth or something seventh so to give you a time difference between 10th and seventh mm-hmm. so seventh place to 10th place was less than was less than three tenths of a second yeah which is huge in points i'm telling you that's uh one two four six points i think so it's a five point difference right there <laughs> so but, there was a little bit of a, a quiet chirping on Twitter too. Uh, the f- actual Formula One account, they tweeted the video. Of, it says, a closer look at the incident between Norris and Leclerc in the tunnel with the eyes emoji, and it showed him blocking Lando. Well, Lando Norris replied to it with a picture, with the meme of uh, a young <laughs> a young Charles Leclerc saying, nothing, it's just an incident. <laughs> an incident with the race. <laughs> 
<laughs> later on that day, Charles Leclerc just posted a, a meme of the little kid that's crying on the news interview and says, I'm fine. Lando put a heart. So I guess there was no love lost between the boys, but God, I fucking Ferrari. I, don't know. I, I do quote that it, just, nothing, just an incident, like an, multiple an times incident. a day in my head. <laughs> yeah. That's Chandler when he pops a tire going into the store. <laughs> Instead of haha, oops, it's just nothing, just an incident. <laughs> when have I ever popped a tire? I plead the fifth, but let's move on. <laughs> so that was that was Q3. Uh, starting on the pole was Max. Fernando Alonso was second, and Charles Leclerc was third. But like you said, he had a third, third a three-place grid penalty. That battle between Max and Fernando, though, for the pole was freaking crazy. I mean, I, I'm surprised one, if not both of them, did not crash. Oh, I know. And how how does Max find three-tenths of a second in the, in the third sector is just wild. Yeah, so after sector one, Max is down, I think, a little over two-tenths. Um, and you could see like the Aston Martin garage celebrating and Crofty's like, oh, well, it looks like Max's day is done. Uh, and then I guess uh, Max decided to do the whole, okay, well, I'll just drive faster. Um, and about halfway through sector two, when he starts coming towards uh, the swing pool, I guess he just decides to just full send it. Um, he ends up kissing the wall coming around. I think it's turn 15 right after the swimming pool um, and somehow managed to stay out of the barriers of which um, personally, I think no, from he hit, memory, he hit the, he hit the barriers and then kept going. Like he no, barely, that's what I'm saying, I mean like going like head on into it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Cause um, we've seen time and again, right after the swimming pool where drivers can't get their wheel back far enough left and they lose grip and then they end up crashing straight into the wall there and it's it's caused a ton of red flags before i mean it's basically the wall of champions 2.0 what's uh, what what y'all said the wall of everyone (laughs) yeah yeah no it's the wall of everyone for those of you that don't know the wall of champions is actually on the canada track it's a very similar situation um a really fast chicane towards the end of the track that pretty much all the best drivers have crashed there at some point or the other before it's the same thing in Monaco, except for it's just everybody does it all the time. Um, and Max kisses the wall. Don't know how he managed to keep control of his car going that fast. And then just barely beat out Fernando Alonso by, I want to say, like eight hundredths or something like that. Um, of which I I mean, Fernando couldn't even be mad. Um, it was just I mean, I, the only words I have for it was it was a full set. I mean, that's the definition of it. Uh, he, but. What what Max did, I mean, I don't, I guess you guys weren't watching the same race. There was an in-car view where it kind of looked like Paul Walker when he hit the NOS button on his steering wheel. I, I can't confirm <laughs> if that was real or not, but that's my only get. I mean, the motherfucker made up that much time in two turns. Yeah. You can't, that's not a thing. You can't just, I don't know if the... Red Bull put a trampoline in the wall and said, okay, hit it right here. Maybe that's what happened. I have yeah. no idea. But the, you could see the look on the Aston Martin team in the garage, and they were like, yeah, they were all ecstatic. Then you would have thought someone like shot their puppy or something. It was, it was a great qualifying effort. I mean, it was... Fernando Alonso had said after 
during interviews in the press pen or whatever they call it, he said he left nothing out there. Like he did as much as he could possibly do, even admitted to taking too much risk. He said, there's no way we didn't crash. He said, and that's not what you want to do. Cause then you end up in that case, you end up P five, you know? So he said, we shouldn't have had that much competitiveness in qualifying. Like we shouldn't have taken that much risk, but we did. And we still ended up losing out because they only ended up with second. But well, that does it for qualifying. Uh, Like I said, it was crazy weekend, crazy Saturday. Sunday is normally the day, like Chandler said earlier, where the drivers just parade around. Once it starts, nothing happens. They ride around for however many, 70 laps or something. 78. 78. And that's it. Where you start is where you finish, unless you have a crash on your own or attrition, that kind of thing. Well, (laughs) this Sunday, the first lap was nothing but incidents. I mean, it was bumper to bumper. It looked like bumper cars out there. I I, I haven't seen it this bad in Monaco, but it's like, but really can you do uh it's already congested as hell you know drivers aren't going to want to give up their spots or anything like that and i'm honestly surprised we didn't have just like some crazy massive crash um that really amazes me about monaco is that that doesn't happen a ton where you get like six cars crashing on the first lap um but you know i think that kind of set the tone for the rest of the race yeah, this race was crazy. We had everything. Yeah, we had rain. We had accidents. We had all that fun stuff. We had overtakes. We did and have unlikely overtakes. Unlikely overtaking places, too. We also had some penalties. Mm-hmm. The first penalty was Nico Hulkenberg. He got a five-second time penalty that he actually later in the race did not serve properly, which turned into a 10-second, <laughs> an added 10-second penalty. I mean... We said McLaren's going to McLaren, Ferrari's going to Ferrari. Well, Haas is going to Haas. That's pretty much all you can say about Nico. What were you guys' thoughts on what Nico did? Yeah, he just kind of like shunted it. I mean, honestly, like there was just, I don't want to say full send, like when he shouldn't have full sent it, but like just Nico Hulkenberg's have been around enough. He should have had the wherewithal to like know that that is a, that curve's coming up, that turn's coming up fast. People are going to be hitting the brakes. Why are you just keep on going? Yeah, he, he yeah, I, I guess his GPS wasn't working. He just uh. he forgot to turn left now. I don't know. But we talk about penalties and all this stuff. On lap 12, Carlos Sainz actually rear ends Esteban Ocon. His end plate fell off when he rear ended him. When his end plate fell off of his front wing, Normally, that's such a detriment to your race. Like, you have to go in and you have to change your front wing. It's normally what an added 10 seconds to do all that to your pit stop. I think they said it's like a good front wing change is 12 seconds extra on top of your pit stop. So, you change your tires and you change your front wing, except the jackman, the front jackman, is the one who is in charge of the pins for your front wing. Well, like he said, it's an added 12 seconds on a very good one, and it's Ferrari, so I wouldn't count on it. What happens is 
Ferrari decides not to change his front wing, even though he's missing his end plate on his the left side of his car. Yep. So at any time in the past, that's been a black and white flag. Pat's talked about this in the past. Pat, do you think it should have been a black and white flag to have him come in and change that? Or So it was kind of a weird situation um, because for about half a lap, the end plate was still hanging on. Um, and then I think it was right after he turned after the, the main straight and he's going up the hill. It actually flew off um, into the wall of which... I don't think you can merit like a black and orange flag after it falls off really, because you know, it's, you know, your car then is not posing more danger to, um, to the other drivers. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was still hanging on, he's still going around and it's flapping away. Then I definitely think a black and orange flag is warranted there. Um, what they were saying was that he would be, he would be black and white flag because it was missing a crucial part of the arrow, which means it's unsafe. Not that the debris would come from his car, but that his car would not turn properly. It would be a detriment to his okay. arrow. Yeah. So, which, which um, we've seen in the past, and what they were using an example is like Haas, like Kevin Magnuson and the black and orange flag battle. You know, uh, even when it had fallen off at one of the races, it's like the FIA wasn't satisfied with like Haas's like because I think there was that little bit of time before they would throw it out where they were saying that like FIA could ask to say hey is your car still safe like and sh- prove to us your car is still safe because Red Bull had this happen and I think two years ago and Red Bull provided documents saying hey that if this end plate falls off we can still run a race safely and not and another factor they consider is like if you're gonna just get lapped seven times in the rest of the race, like then bring it in and get something new. Um, Red Bull was able to provide the technical documents saying we have the proof saying this is going to be fine. So Haas could not provide those technical documents. So in that little bit of time, I believe that that was sent over to the FIA and the FIA was apparently satisfied with it, which obviously looking at the result of the race, it didn't affect him all that much. Um, but, you know, it's still, it would have been nice to see some consistency on this from the FIA. Which you're never going to get from the FIA. Never. They're the most inconsistent body of all time. I mean, my thing is, I don't know how real this is, but if it's like anything else in the game, if you play the F1 game, 2023, 2022, it doesn't matter. Turn damage on and clip the wall a little bit. Tell me you can turn that vehicle. Yeah, it's Xbox. Yeah, it's PC or God forbid you listeners have a PlayStation, unfortunately. It's so incredibly difficult to do. So in real life, you're going to say it's not a detriment where the streets are that thin. Yeah, that's yeah, you're not going that fast, but you you go back to the visor cam, you're hauling ass and you don't have a main component of your vehicle. There's no way he shouldn't have came in, in my opinion. I, I, I do want to back up though a little bit in terms of the how did we get to this collision? And okay, we're going to the, the the chicane right out of the tunnel, and his engineer comes over the radio and was like, "We need to push here." Well, Carlos decides to just send it. Like there was not there was a gap this half the size of the car's width, 
So it, the risk was not worth the reward. Um, and it, it just kind of ironic of how they said, all right, we need to push. And then two seconds later, there he is running right into the back of Esteban and just running straight through the chicane. Um, which where he he was shown so we're talking about the black and orange flag didn't get shown for the place he did get a black and white flag for like that's kind of the universal of like here's your warning type thing like you know track track limits gets you get that or cutting corners like but the way he caused a collision with like just trying to full send it into a spot that wasn't there it just it's it's kind of just stupid in my opinion like what are we doing yeah it was it was a bad move it was late he like you said, stood no chance of actually making a pass there. Maybe he was just trying to pull a Kimi Raikkonen and just hop out right there and go to the yacht right on the other side of the fence, drink a couple. I don't know. But, dude, it, like, he stood nothing to gain and everything to lose there. I don't he know. is very lucky he did not, his day did not end right there. Or Esteban Ocon didn't. Yes. Do you know, do you know what I would love to see? are F1 drivers actually getting into arguments. Oh, yeah. I get it. It's a gentleman's sport, but, I mean, you, you hear cussing, you hear that kind of thing, you hear the beeps from Yuki, but you don't see anything else once they're out of the car that's over with. You know, NASCAR, they'll push, they'll fight, they'll punch or two. I'm not saying that's what you need to do. It's not hockey. They'll right hook somebody. But do something, you know? Let go go on a our podcast, you know, go on uh figuring out the formula and bitch a little bit about it. Just hey, do man. something. It's you know, it's it's nice to see when they have emotions, but Espan Ocon, I he had a we'll we'll get to it. He had a great day, but I would have loved to hear his point of view on Carlos Sainz. Can you imagine the unfiltered version of what he his thoughts of that? <laughs> that would be crazy. Yeah. I don't know. That was lap 12, though. We keep moving. But I know you were talking about this a lot in our group message, the back markers. Around, you know, the first third of the race, the back markers, you know, I want to say from 13th all the way down to 19th, we're passing and passing and passing. They were passing each other, getting past, and then passing each other right back. It was, it was nothing but fun. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of just, I don't know, it's like, what are you, are you just trying to have a mid-off? Like, if you're going to pass, then like, go, bro. And then it's like, oh, no, after you, no, after you, no, please, no, I insist, after you. And it's like, Jesus Christ, someone just, just make a pass and make it stick. Um, And that, you know, I guess filled up the kind of boring, you know, what, middle 20% of the race. Um, But that, I mean, I was, I was sitting at a, at a bar watching and I was already hating my life because I had to watch it on F1 TV, which their commentators suck compared to Crofty and Martin Brundle. Who is um, it? Do you know? I literally, I don't even remember their names, but I remember when we tried to rewatch the race in Canada last year, we had to use F1 TV and it was trash. And there's just, there's no option to listen to Crofty and Martin Brundle. Oh, um, so I was, horrible. I was already getting frustrated with that. And then just watching these same, you know, handful of backmarkers all just going past each other and then trying to get out the way for, you know, getting lapped and then up, oh, nope, now I'm going to pass you too. Uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty frustrating to watch. And then, you know, I so was, you're, you're tripping bro, because Monaco, you never see passes. I thought it was awesome. 
granted they're racing for shits and gigs because there's no points back there but to see actual passing being done like lance stroll had a couple really nice passes or uh who is it someone was passing logan Sargent. that was past logan Sargent. yeah it was it was a twofer logan got passed by three people in a row which sucks for logan but it was cool to see a twofer on in monaco that doesn't happen yeah and it was on the uh the hairpin I don't remember what exactly that specific turn is called, but the hairpin where it's like they were they were sending it on the inside of that, which is just wild. Like you don't see that often. You didn't see that often whenever the cars were a stick of gum. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was cool, but that was short lived. We saw we saw a little bit after we talked about Carlos Sainz rear-ending Espan Ocon. Well, on lap 36, Checo rear-ends Kevin Magnuson. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say. I don't know yet again if he lost focus or what. Maybe Checo's going through some baby mama drama. I have no idea. But, dude, you have a chance to be a world champion, and you're messing it up. Not anymore, he doesn't. He still does. Anything can happen. I mean, literally Max could have a, a technical issue and retire from a race. And he's right in it. So anything's possible, but not if you are driving sloppy. If you want to be a world champion like me, Chandler, and Patrick in the game, you have to stay focused. That's a big thing. That's my advice to Checo if you're listening. Yeah, I don't quite know what he was doing this weekend. Um, I don't know if there was, for some reason, some extra pressure on him or, you know, during the race... Um, like if, you know, people were in his ear telling him to push up and everything and it's like, come on, like it's, it's Monaco, you know, we're not we're really not going to be doing yeah. a ton of overtaking. Um, but you know, the two, the two main points on the track, um, for those of you that, you know, haven't really watched in Monaco before the two main points for overtaking are, are turn 10, um, when they come right out of the tunnel and hit the chicane which it's notorious for people dive bombing and crashing there. It happens probably once every race um, or like turn 17, right before they start to come back towards the pit straight. And I think both Checo and Carlos signs just had their heads in their asses to be quite frank. Um, you know, it's a weekend where you're, you're just supposed to bring it home really. Um, you know, if you're in first or second, okay. Yeah. You know, take a shot and go for it. But Checo, I mean, you're already in the gutter. I mean, there's no point in, you know, really trying to make your weekend worse. And, you know, I think he ended up taking like five pit stops because the damage he kept getting for doing stuff like that. Yeah, he he didn't seem to gain anything from it. I mean, like we said, you're not going to get in the points. So why damage the car? Cost more money for the team. Just stay focused, run a clean race, stay dry, do whatever you need to do and make sure you're there for the next race. He kind of, whatever. You talked about if it was, it would be different if it was first and second place. Well, first and second place was Max Verstappen in first and Fernando Alonso in second. Fernando had started on the hard tire and Max started on a medium tire. Normally, I think Pirelli said that the medium was supposed to last 20 something laps. Give or take. I thought it was like 30 to 35. So that was like, okay. a bit so there's a hair over 
30 mark. Okay, so a little over 30, and then the hard was supposed to last close 50, to 50. 50. Yeah, we'll say we'll say mid 50s. So there's about a 20 lap difference between the medium and the hards. Well, this battle just kept going and going and going. Well, around the higher laps of 40s, Max is still on the medium. Fernando is what he was maybe 10 seconds behind. Yeah. He was, he was in the single digits. He had worked it back to single digits once okay. Max had caught up the traffic. So sub 10 seconds uh, behind Max Verstappen. Max is still on the mediums and Fernando's on the hards. Well, all Fernando needed Max to do was pit. Once he pit, he's in the lead. Good to go. Well, then on the radio, there was chatter that rain was coming in. And then they, the TV showed <laughs> the clouds that were dark black. It's like, that's not some rain. That is heavy rain coming in. Well, lap 53, rain starts happening. Now you get into the question, do we need intermediates? Do we need full wets? Do we stay on slicks? Fernando comes into pit before Max does. Max kept going on his mediums. And we're all expecting Fernando Alonso to put on intermediate tires. It's raining in certain parts of the track. Certain other, other parts of the track are dry. When Fernando Alonso puts on new slicks, I about screamed. Yeah. What the fuck are you thinking, AMR? He has an opportunity to pass Max Verstappen for a win. Because once you get there in Monaco, unless you crash, you're staying there. He put on new slicks. The next lap, Max Verstappen put on intermediates. And then Fernando Alonso pitted again for inter intermediates. So they're in the same running order, Max first, Fernando second. And now it's down to, or it's up to 25, 30 second difference between the two instead of sub 10. Did that shit piss you off as much as it did me? It, I mean, it took, prob probably well, not Pat. Pat, no, it probably it, didn't it piss me you. off. It pissed me off. It took about five seconds because like the logic that like Ted was down there is like in the pit lane and was like, it's not raining here in the pit lane. And if it's not raining across the entire track, then this is probably a smart move. But then you get out and by the time he gets to like the top of the hill at turn three, you realize, oh shit, it's raining at like 90% of the track. Right. So it's I like, how do we not have like better rate? Like the rate, the literally like during the broadcast, Crofty, instead of saying like, well, what's the forecast looking like? Crofty was like, I want to see the pit wall TVs that have the radar coming in. So they were showing like the Red Bull ones. They all have the same radar technology. So mm -hmm. I just, I think it, made, it was a gamble that they that, were expecting it not to hit the track, except yeah. it hit certain parts. Well, those certain parts were the slow corners where the water was standing still, which every single car that was running on slicks, even the ones that changed into intermediates were slipping and sliding all yeah. over the place at low speeds. We saw some full wets have to get brought out too. Like they didn't have to, and they still didn't do the job for some cars like Kevin yeah. Magnuson, but either way to go on new slicks, I would have rather him had his old slicks and not have pitted the first time then and wait to pit for the intermediates then to 
pit for slicks and then pit for intermediates the next lap. That yeah. I told my brother, I was like, they wasted their time at this race. They had an opportunity to win this race. It could be the only one of the season that they have an opportunity to win. Probably not, but it could be. This would have been a historic one to win, and they didn't do it. It kind of sucks, but the rain led to a lot of other good things. The uh, announcer's jinx that Crofty put on it was like, you know, we've never had a race where no one's DNF'd at Monaco. Uh, or not never, but like the last, no, nothing, not in the last time when we still are on lap 57 out of 78 and do not have a driver retired yet. And then uh, they, they cut to stroll getting out of the car, like on the track. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we spoke too soon. There's Lance walking back to the garage. Well, which- he said, he said that. And on the sidebar of the, uh, the TV, it showed all the drivers, and it showed Lance Stroll said out. And it had been like that for like five minutes. Lance Stroll was out of the car getting into his Cadillac to go home. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, keep up, Crofty. Come on, old man. <laughs> it it was it was funny though, because uh there was one meme because you know, obviously he he hit the wall and his front wing came off, but it got stuck underneath the car. And so it was really like his they, his tires ran up on the front wing, and so it was kind of like a sled rail. It was like a, it was like a snowmobile. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Snowmobile, and so of course one of the memes, and so of course he really like was trying to turn, and his car was going the other way into (laughs) other walls, and some like someone quoted like quote put the video on Twitter and was like, "Oh fun, Lance Stroll gets to see how I drive in Monaco in the rain on the F one (laughs) game." Yeah, Yeah, normally you pay extra for that one, Cotton. But (laughs) yeah, I AMR man, they had a chance to win the race, they didn't. They had a chance to have Lance Stroll just, just race, race cleanly. He made some great passes. He had a decent strategy, and you said he hit the wall. It wasn't as bad <laughs> as Kevin Magnuson, Gunther Steiner. I don't know if he was taking a piss or something when the rain started, but they left him out. They left him out on slicks for how many laps? I it. Dude, it, it, it was, was a lot. Good. I don't even remember how late. It was at it least was, ten laps that it was a good ten while it was raining, and he didn't stand a chance. On his way into the pit lane to get his full wet tires, he crashed. Mm-hmm. Literally, the turn into pit lane, he crashed. Haas is gonna Haas. Yeah, it's pretty pathetic, especially when you look at the the board on the side of the screen. It's just enters, 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 enters. And all of a sudden, there's one random car that's not doing the same thing everyone else is. And lo and behold, it's almost always Haas. And then didn't they like throw like full wets on his car and he couldn't even drive with those? Yeah, he crashed in his wets. He spun out three times and then actually hit the wall. It was like, you know, just retire the car. You're not yeah. in points anymore. Just save Gene some money and some, you know, he needs that for bail for the future. Just let him, yeah. let him keep taxes. his money. Yeah, uh, taxes. <laughs> keeping on the same thing of like the, we're out of the points, what are you racing for? I will say what I give kudos to James Vowles of Williams for was before the rain came, like Logan Sargent was out of the race. But what they basically told him is they gave him a set of mediums and said, you need to learn how to make these last softs. Long as you can. It was soft. Soft, yeah. Which those were expected to last like 15 laps. And they basically said, you go make these last as long as you can make them last. 
Like that was his objective and he made it last like 25 laps. I mean, he's yeah. learning stuff. I mean, I he, give it to the kid like James Vowles is at least he's not sitting there trying to like, all right, if we really push, we can make 19th. Like if yeah. you know your race is shot, like go give the kids some learning experience in F1. So I'll give James Vowles the props on that. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, no. just leaving him out to dry and just having him parade around on his own. Yeah. It was awesome to see that because his mediums that he had, he had two sets of mediums for the race and he Ooh. used them both. I think they said it was on his average time on the mediums. It was like 13 laps. And yeah. then he goes out on the softs and he runs 20 something laps on the softs. It's like, see, you can do this. You know, mm. you're here for a reason. You know, you got a lot of Americans supporting you. That's right. Do, do your job, do it well. We're going to get there eventually. Now that's a lie, but still hopefully he gets better and can move up. The person who I hope does not move up is George Russell. George Torpedo. Russell. George Russell, dude, it's a it's a tale as old as time. He I'll give him the benefit of the doubt this occasion, but he pulled into a runoff or he slid into a runoff during the rain. And you don't have spotters like you do in NASCAR, but you still have mirrors that you can use. George Russell decided to just back up right on the track and he ended up getting a <laughs> he ended up getting a penalty for unsafe rejoin. I mean, Sergio Perez hit him and he, how high did Checo's car get? It, it was it, I mean, he it was whacked him pretty good. Dude, it, it almost got as high as when the crane operator picked him up. Yeah. Uh. I mean, it's like so where where George decided to back up, I mean it's they're coming into the the hairpin at, at sector one, and it's like you know every single person is they're on the outside and they're going to cut in, so just stay in the little pocket on the outside where you know they're not going to be, and very slowly back up. And he just and it's like rear rear gears on F one cars are already finicky as hell, and George is like, ah, I'll just put it in R and just yeet it and yeets it back into the path of right where everybody has to turn. Uh, I'm, I'm sick of it. I, I dislike George already. And that's an understatement. And it's just like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Well, you're not the only one. I mean, people love or hate Lewis Hamilton. I don't think I've ever met a George Russell fan. Like, nope. like I, like, like I have a shirt for Lando and Fernando. McLaren as a whole. Chandler has some stolen McLaren merchandise. Pat obviously has Red Bull merchandise. Have you ever seen anyone with George Russell apparel? We went we went to a race. We sat in a, no. a our section was damn near all Mercedes fans. Not one of them was cheering for George Russell. So clearly the dude's I mean, he's driving an F1, but for a solid team, but Dude, if you keep driving like this, someone's going to take your spot there. You're not going to keep and, that contract. And then the self-entitled, uh, the self-entitlement of after he gets the five-second penalty to just radio in and say, well, let me pass Lewis, and then I promise I won't drive more than five seconds faster than him so that Lewis will get the place back. I just don't want 
Charles Leclerc to be. You're already six and a half seconds ahead of Charles. Like, quit trying because I mean, you know what happens if they let him get in front. He's yeah, gonna like keep going. Accid- he's gonna accidentally get five and a half seconds ahead and be like, "Oh, sorry, Lewis." Like, you know, just yeah. the entitled like entitled sob he is. Yeah, I mean, his team Mercedes just said, uh, "No, you can't do that." What they're the- like, that's not in our best interest at this time. Go ahead, you can still take, you can still keep the gap on Chuck. <laughs> that's another thing. Like we were talking about, like I wish I could see the drivers' actual personalities on the track and when they get out of the cars. Do you imagine hearing your race engineers? Like, uh, can I can I get ahead of Lewis and I promise I won't go five seconds? Fuck no. No, you just yeah. you got a penalty, <laughs> dumbass. No, you can't. Have, you should go behind him anyways because you fucking suck. Yeah, back of the line, pal. Yeah, see you later, buddy. Yeah, uh, that unsafe rejoin. I mean. People don't realize, like, yes, it's Monaco, but they're still, like I said, going hundreds of miles an hour. Like, hundred hundred sixty. They're hitting hundred sixty. I mean, on the straight, yeah, it's so incredibly dangerous to just pull out in the rain like that. Is fucking insane. I mean, someone actually could have got hurt. Luckily, these cars are very safe. But Checo shot up. These cars don't have tethers like they do in IndyCar. So if a wheel came off. The crowd is right there. There's marshals right there. Shit like that. Because you wanted to be a dumbass and what'd you say? Just hit the R and just yeet it. Yeah. It, it's that's insane to me. But that was mostly it with the race. I mean, it, there was a lot to go on. I thought it was a good race. We jumped back into this conversation. Last year it rained in Monaco. This year it rained two-thirds of the way after through the race. This race was one of the best Monaco races I've seen. The whole race weekend, practice was boring, qualifying was awesome, and the race was great. Do you guys still think that you should keep this on the schedule, especially after this race, or do you think that it's over with? This week, this past weekend was a fluke. What do you think? I say you keep it. Again, yeah. for the reason I say is, I mean, if nothing else, the qualifying gets better and better every year. Yeah, no, I agree. The I'm sure Esteban Ocon saying the same thing, right, Pat? I mean, I I would keep the race. Uh, you know, Alpine they had a good weekend. Uh, I think Jeremy Clarkson owes everybody on the Alpine team a beer. Um, per his Twitter wager. <laughs> um. Gasly could have had P4 too. They could have had a P3 and P4. Um, but they just they like double stacked and you know his race was done after that. Yeah. Um but but, but what actually happened was his teammate Ocon finished third. Yep. SD Besties on the podium, baby. And it was cool to see him be so excited after the race was over. That's you right. know, you see the same Red Bull drivers, you see the same Ferrari, Aston Martin at the beginning of the season was crazy excited. They kind of died down a little bit with their excitement because they're expecting it now. But to see the Alpine team celebrating and loving up on Ocon, that was that was cool. That was cool to see because that was his third podium, I believe, in his yeah. career. Well, Getting on the podium is so incredibly difficult to see that was awesome. Yeah, so he finished third. So in second place, you have Fernando Alonso, 
due to that AMR fuck up with the tire situation. They finished second. And then Max Verstappen and Fernando Alonso's left foot finished first. I say that because on the podium celebration, Fernando put his big toe up on the uh, first place podium. It's about sending a message. It, it is. He's going to get there eventually, but that was pretty much it for the Monaco Grand Prix. I thought it was a great race for Monaco, especially. Uh, I'd probably give it like an 8 out of 10 overall. Um, I really do wish that Aston Martin had, you know, not messed up. Like, I wouldn't have minded excuse me, I wouldn't have minded if they won. Um, but I definitely, I enjoyed it way more than I normally do. Um, you know, hopefully in the next couple of years, once we hopefully get shorter cars, it'll be, you know, back at its best, but definitely hope it's here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can go to some of these tracks that even though they're great tracks, I mean, you still have like, you know, minute to two minute, minute to minute and a half, like length gaps between first and third. Um, you know, we, even though that that was, you have a significant gap this go around, it's still like always exciting just because I think you're, you're so on top of everything and it is so congested. And so it was a very good race. Now the next race is coming up this weekend. It is the Spanish Grand Prix. It is June 2nd through the 4th. The qualifying is going to be at 10 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. On Sunday, the race is at 9 a.m. We made predictions for the Italian Grand Prix. We all got it right or wrong, depending on how you look at it. Who is going to win the Spanish Grand Prix? Chan, who's your guess? Going to go with the home goal. I'm going to go El Plan. I'm going to say Fernando gets it done. Redemption this week from from the bungle at Monaco. Okay. Pat? (laughs) Max is going to win. Okay. Well, I disagree with both of you, kind of. I think... Fernando doesn't have the speed. I think he might get another podium. If it were up to me, I think I would say Fernando would get uh, fourth. Overall, his finishes this year, he's he's finished third and basic average position was third. But I think he'll finish fourth. And I think Max Verstappen is going to finish second to Checo Perez. Okay. Checo got a lot of shit this weekend for his driving, including from us today. But I believe that Checo's gonna get it done. He's gonna I don't know if he's gonna get pole during qualifying, but he's gonna win the race. So wait, who do you who do you think comes in third? I said Checo, Max, I think uh Lewis Hamilton. Okay. I okay. think Lewis gets third because they got new side pods. We'll I'm talk sorry. about that. We'll talk about that next episode. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe at figuring out the formula. Thanks. Cheers.